Welcome back to the Company of One podcast. This is episode number 146, and I'm your host, Dale Callahan. Today we're talking about confidence, how to develop confidence, how to develop composure. <laughs> you may already have it, but let's face it. Every, every one of us, every single person I've ever met, whether they show this great confidence bouncing through the door or they seem shy and timid, when you get them one-on-one, everyone lacks confidence. I mean, it's one of the big things that we'll talk about today is recognizing that all of us are insecure, all of us need more confidence and composure, uh, even the great performers like Adele who get on stage are known for their great fear and their great anxiety before doing things. So how can we get it? How can we develop true confidence and composure even when we're having to fake it? Because this is such an important topic. We were speaking about this in our graduate program in the course uh, Professional Development for Engineers and the comment or the, the, the topic was executive presence, how to develop executive presence. You know that when somebody walks through the door and you see them and you know, wow, this, this person's in charge or this person has authority. That's what we want to develop. And that's what confidence is the number one thing in, in showing or that's confidence is the number one characteristic for executive presence, for showing that you're in charge. So we're going to dive down into that. But before we do, I want to do what I always have been doing, is talk about our um, our podcast reviews. So thanks for those. This is coming from Gabe. And Gabe says, always relentless, always relevant and useful. So he says, I've been listening to Dell's podcast for over a year now, and he does a fantastic job of finding and thoroughly answering questions that are amazingly relevant to entrepreneurs, professionals, and anyone else seeking to improve their career. I consistently recommend Dale's presentations, podcasts, and books to my network of friends and contact. He's a great communicator and sincerely desires to help people succeed. Thank you so much, Gabe. Yes, I do sincerely desire to help people succeed. One of the most fun things for me and, and thank you, Gabe, for pointing it out, is seeing people move to the next level. We're not all starting at the same spot, and we're not all growing to the same spot. We're not really looking to make anybody a superstar, and you don't need to worry about that about yourself. You just need to move to the next level. Don't put so much pressure on, even in the topic of confidence. You don't have to, if you're that shy person walking into a meeting, totally insecure, you don't have to come in bouncing in like you own the place tomorrow. Small movements in the right direction are huge. Now, let me just tell you, the the desire to develop more confidence and composure under pressure, it's a common theme. It's just every single place. And I want to talk through just a couple of things that really have helped me and I know have helped other people, and you'll recognize because I'll tell you some of the stories. So first and foremost, recognize you are not alone. You are not alone. Like I said in the opening, everyone lacks confidence. There's not a single soul. I don't care how boisterous they sound, how in command. When you get them one-on-one, you'll hear a lack of confidence. 
is oftentimes referred to as the imposter syndrome. You'll see this a lot in the entrepreneurship circles. People talk about the imposter syndrome as if I'm going, to, I'm not good enough to do what I'm. My job title on my business card says my business card right now says I'm. Uh, so I don't know what associate dean of research and. Uh, industry relations, right? And and if you ask me one-on-one, oh, I'll just tell you all right now. Do I feel like I know enough about research? Absolutely not. Do I feel like I can lead a team to develop better research and develop better industry relations? No, I don't. Do I have all kinds of doubt? Yeah, of course I do. You do too. But those things of doubt drive us to answer questions and think about how do I do this? How do I get to do this? It's not natural necessarily for us to do these things. And the funny thing is when it does become natural, then we have other kinds of doubt. One of the things that I hear hear about New York Times bestselling authors, especially people who have a string of them, they're well-known. And as they're writing the next book, maybe it's the second or the third or the fourth book, the doubt becomes more intense, not less intense. It becomes more intense because now they're thinking the last one really was a fluke. The last one didn't really make it because I was good. The last one was just good publishing. It was good marketing. It was lucky. They, they tell themselves all these lies. And so the pressure gets on. And so even though when you think somebody's hit high success, they're always thinking that they're about to fall down. Bill Smith, uh, one of the executives with AT&T at the time, came and spoke to a class of ours. We invited him in. And he was, so Bill Smith, internationally known telecommunications expert in the executive ranks at AT&T. I don't know what his title was at the time, but he was way up there. Uh, He ended up being one of their presidents, uh, or he was at the time, I forget. But as I'm walking him in the door and he's he's got the suit on and he's you know looks the part and he flew in on his own jet you know and so and and as he sits there and starts talking one of the first words out of his mouth or one of the the first sentences out of his mouth he says every day I wake up and look in the mirror and I think today is when I'm going to be found out and I thought what I mean this guy was doing stuff at international levels, known all over the world in his space, one of the big experts, and sits there and says, every day I think I'm going to be found out. In other words, he felt like an imposter. He felt like a fraud. Now, right after Bill left, Gary came in to speak. Gary's a guy that's uh, started several companies, sold them. He's kind of got the, we call it, say, the golden touch, right? He would deny that, but he, the golden touch. And he said something much similar. He said, every day, you know, you realize you're trying to uh, make yourself not be a fraud. And I forget the words he used, but it was the same story, all this doubt. So here are these people that are highly, highly successful. And in these people, they have doubt. So when you look in the mirror and you see that doubt, recognize that you're not alone, number one. And number two, you have succeeded in places and you're just not giving yourself credit for it. And you may not feel that way. Neither did these people. They thought it was lucky. They thought they just accidentally made it happen. You have had a success streak. You've had lots of successes. 
just like these people, you're suffering from imposter syndrome and you're not alone. To me, that right there leaves me comfort. A lot of times when I'm speaking to a group of people and you're sitting there and thinking, well, these doubts go through your mind. Do I know what I'm talking about? Uh, Am I credible? Is somebody in the audience out there doubting everything I say because they know I'm wrong and I'm wrong and I'm wrong, right? Maybe, Maybe right now you're thinking that, right? I don't know. That's going through my head. But what I start triggering in my head is realizing everyone in the audience is insecure about something. Now, sometimes insecurity shows up as calling me out, as uh, talking down about me. That's insecurity. When we talk down about other people, usually it's insecurity. But either way, I use this fact knowing that everybody is insecure at multiple levels to help me realize they're just like me. I don't know what they're insecure about, but I can just take a deep breath and realize I'm moving past mine and trying to help them wherever they are. So that helps me. Hopefully that helps you too. Number two, though, is you've got to control your inner talk. That voice in your head is is the more powerful voice that you listen to than anything else. It's that voice that if I say something to you that you that's maybe not even negative, maybe it's slightly negative, you amplify it in your head, right? When somebody says something to you, slightly critical, it amplifies in your head. When somebody says something complimentary, we tend to brush that off and we don't see that as well. So you've got to control that inner talk. You've got to capture those thoughts in your head. Uh, Tony Robbins and, and guys like that would say, you've got to rewrite the script. So when you hear something negative, like I'm not very good at doing financial analysis, you change the script, I'm getting better at doing financial analysis. By the way, that's a true statement. No matter where you are, if you're working on it, you're getting better, right? So there's some encouragement to getting better. But you, what it is is reframing the comments in your head and talking to yourself differently. Now, in the book Late Bloomers, it's a great book, by the way, Late Bloomers, uh, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, which is delkellahan.com slash 146. This is episode number 146. But in the book Late Bloomers, he talks about the fact that people, if they use third-person talk, it helps them. So rather than saying, I'm going to do a better job at this presentation, I'd be saying, Dale is going to do a better job today. Now that sounds weird, it sounds freaky, but it kind of gives you a distance from yourself when you do that. Uh, My wife tells me that she's done that for years, that whenever she's struggling for something, she thinks of her mother's voice in her head saying, Leah, you can handle this. And it gives her the encouragement to move through. So use that third person. I would I would say just really the, the book Late Bloomers will open up your eyes. I don't care if you feel like an early bloomer. It will open up your eyes in so many ways because let's just face it, even the early bloomers feel like late bloomers, another one of those uh, insecurity issues. So talk to yourself in the third person, controlling that inner talk. Number three is take back control in the moment. Now this is where it starts to get... He didn't. You're in the moment. You're in a meeting. You're in an environment. 
and you are feeling anxious. Now, I don't know if you've ever had anxiety attacks. I have. Real anxiety attacks where your breathing gets crazy. You, you feel like you're suffocating. Your heart's racing. And you can't think. I mean, it's it's a scary experience. Some people have anxiety attacks to the effect that they end up in the hospital you know, thinking they've had something wrong with them, a heart attack or something. But I've I've had them uh, I had them when I was in college. I started having them, and I remember in 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 any time I was in a meeting or in a room and I felt trapped, I would have these anxiety attacks, thinking thinking I had to get out of there, and it was crazy because it made me act crazy, and sometimes it made me escape. And usually it was because of nothing. It was in an environment that really didn't matter, but my anxiety attack was really happening. That happens to many people. Now, you may not be that far off. You may just get nervous. You may feel insecure. You may feel like you're being put on the spot. A lot of times this happens in meetings and when there's tense tension in meetings or when we go into meetings and we're expecting tension. So here's how to get control in that moment. Smile. Just force yourself to stop and smile and think about it. And it feels awkward, doesn't it? If you're frowning or if you're biting your lips or you're, you're tense, you know, all the jaw muscles are tense. You have to actually force yourself to smile. Now, smile is an amazing thing because it disarms all the people around you. If you're going in there and you know the look because you can see it in other people, right? Like he's mad or she's mad or she's worried or she's upset. We can look at that on the frowny faces of these people, but it's hard to tell whether they're anxious, whether they're afraid, whether they're mad. It's really hard to tell exactly what's going on with people a lot of times. But when they smile, they disarm not only themselves, but they disarm you, right? Think about you're in the room and it's a tense situation and somebody is smiling. Well, it, it changes the whole thing. And I relax. If somebody smiles at me, I relax toward them, right? So, it, so even though they may be faking the smile, it helps me to connect with them better. Now we're talking as humans, even though we're not talking. So you've got to smile. And, and it's, it's a forced reaction, right? You have to force yourself to smile. And then on top of that, breathe. If you've ever noticed in intense moments that you're sitting there, and I've noticed this after somebody taught this to me, that you're not breathing. I remember the first time somebody said that to me. He says, Dell, you've got to breathe when you get intense moments. I was thinking, what? I don't quit breathing. You know, what do you think I'm doing? You know, holding my breath underwater? I'm not holding my breath. And uh, the guy says, no, that's what you do. Now, he hadn't seen me in a tense situation, but we were talking about it, and he just knows that's what human nature is. We tend to hold our breath when things are intense. Notice it next time you're in an intense situation. You're in a tense conversation, or you're a little bit afraid, or you're driving a car and you're going over a bridge that you're afraid of, or whatever it is that freaks you out, right? There's something, or you're, you're afraid of heights and you're standing on a building. You'll recognize, I'm holding my breath. And it will feel like you can't breathe. And you're like, I can't breathe. Because you're holding your breath and you kind of create this nervous reaction. As you hold your breath, your heart rate starts to, to ramp up and it gets crazy. So 
breathe. In intense moments when we're tending to hold your breath, just like you have to force yourself to smile, take deep breath, not crazy, just slow, deep breaths. Breathe very slow. Breathe in the nose, out the mouth, very slow. And you just want to take these deep breaths and slow down. If you have to count, whatever you have to do, just breathe. These are the things that a lot of psychologists will do for deep relaxation exercises for people suffering from anxiety. And it works. It works. So smiling and deep breathing. The other thing that happens, though, as you get into meeting, let's say there's a tense conversation that's happening between you and some team members. You will notice, and you notice it with other people. And by the way, it's really good to be able to learn for this other people. Is you'll notice with other people that they quit smiling, they look tense in their face, they tend to not be breathing. You can almost see people holding their breath when they're tense. They will talk faster. They'll they'll really start. They'll start talking like this, and they'll start really talking fast, and they'll start talking at a higher pitch. Right? We go higher pitch. When we're, uh, when we're nervous. And you can notice it with yourself sometimes. You start squeaking maybe, uh, talking at a higher pitch. So smile, slow down and breathe, slow down your talking, and lower your voice and your tone. And, and all of those things take some conscious practice to do. It happens if you're on stage. It happens if you're, you're speaking to a group, and the group can be one or 200 or 2,000 people. It doesn't really matter. It happens, happens when you're in a tense situation. Smile, breathe, slow down your talking, lower your voice and your tone. Number four, think about others' insecurity. Now, I hit on this before. And this is actually, this is what I'm saying, is you start to realize, when you realize these things about yourself, you start to see them in others. Notice when other people are having these impacts. And when you see this insecurity in other people in a weird, twisted sense, right, it helps you be more secure. So when you see someone, though, doing something else like yelling or screaming at you like they're mad and they're angry at you and and it causes you that insecurity. It causes you to lose your confidence when somebody gets heated with us often. I've started just thinking, what's gnawing at them? They're getting intense. They're getting red-faced. And actually, I could relax even more. Often, the real issue is not what they're yelling about. There's something else that's really gnawing at them. And when I've got a chance to get one-on-one with people after the fact, I realize they're acting out because of something that's not really in the meeting or in the room or in the environment. They're acting out often out of fear about something else. And maybe it's related, like your employee's done something bad, so you're mad at your employee and you're yelling and you're screaming, but what you're really worried about is your boss yelling at you. And so you're taking it out on them. You know, we might do that with our child. We do something with our our kid because we're mad at them because we're embarrassed. Not of what the kid did, but how it makes us look, right? I know you never do that. (laughs) So, But I'm talking about other people, all those other people that do that, right? We get intense, and there's something that's gnawing at us. And the same is suits when we see somebody angry. 
or when we see someone bragging over the top. Oh, I know you see this one. You're in a meeting and they're just displaying this massive amount of confidence and know-it-all and they're just talking about how wonderful they are and what all they've done and uh, you feel like you have little to show. But I've learned to just look at their eyes deeply as they're talking, usually especially if they're talking in a group and they're bragging, and I can see fear. I'm serious. You can begin to see in these people that are running their mouth a little bit too much. They're not being actually accurate. They're over the top. They have to command attention. They're insecure. They need the attention of the room. And if they don't have the attention of the room, they get scared. And you can look in their eyes and you can see fear. You can see insecurity. It's funny. You can do it too. It's not some magical talent. It's that I've noticed it. Because I know a little bit about myself. I've talked to and coached thousands of people. I start realizing that's what it is. And let me just tell you, I don't care who you are. I've been on the phone with executives. I've been on the phone with top technical talent. I've been on the phone with people who have, you know, we might say very little to offer the work world. And confidence has no correlation. Some people are totally confident in their skin, or they at least they appear to be, that seem to have nothing to offer. You might say they have nothing to lose. I've seen homeless people that I've talked to speak with more confidence and with more power than executives, which is really weird, right? You, and, and you think it would be backwards. And, but, but when I get on the phone with people doing coaching sessions, confidence is always a huge, huge, huge issue. It comes up almost invariably in some form lacking confidence and I don't care how high up the food chain they are it's always there so finding insecurity in others and I don't mean picking on other people I'm not I'm just saying it helps me develop perspective because when you're thinking about other people guess what you're not thinking about yeah you're not thinking about yourself so much which one of the things from I'm a Christian so one of the things that I've learned is when I'm thinking about my fear, when I'm thinking about my insecurity, when I'm not thinking, when I'm thinking about how um, lousy I am or how unprepared I am, whatever it is, all I'm thinking about is Dale. And when I quit thinking about me and quit and start thinking about other people, what's worrying them, what's their insecurity, how can I help them, and I start to shift the conversation over to them, at least in my head. My insecurity leaves. It just totally leaves because I'm no longer thinking about me. Right? And that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool because I'm actually starting to care about the person on the other side of the room, even if I'm mad at them, even if I think they're bragging, even if I think they're a blowhard. I'm starting to care a little bit about them, what makes them tick, and how I can help them. So finding that insecurity in others is a game that you, you may say it's a game, it's a trick. I don't know. But it works. It works for me. It'll work for you too, I can promise you. So number uh, five, fake it until you make it. You hear this one all the time. Uh, and the smile, the deep breathing, the slowing you down, you're talking, the lowering your voice is part of that. But I think about it as an adventure. I know a friend of mine uh, was 
hated flying, was afraid to fly. Uh, I hate flying too, but that's a different story. I, you know, uh, I hate the whole environment, not the flying itself. But this person hated being on the plane in the air. And they said they, but they wanted to travel, right, which is kind of a country. They wanted to travel all over the world. It's kind of hard to travel all over the world without getting on a plane um, or a boat, I guess. But they started thinking of it as an adventure. So but instead of thinking about the plane, they would think about where they're going, and they would get excited about the adventure they're going on, what, even if it was a business meeting, right? They would think about it as an adventure, and it helped them to focus their attention somewhere else instead of what's going on. So that's part of the faking it. So if you're in a meeting, you're doing something, you're doing a talk that you haven't done before, then you can fake it in the sense by thinking about it this as an adventure. You can even pretend that you're confident. You can do all the things we've talked about, slowing down the breathing, and you appear more confident. And when you appear more confident, you start thinking about the others. You know, I don't know if you're faking it, but let's just call it you're faking it because you don't feel like you're a confident person yet. Right. So let me just tell you two stories of overblown confidence that I think about how this might work. Uh, number one, I call this the notebook. So I'm sitting in a meeting with this guy, and this guy, the, the Dave, shows incredible confidence. And we're having a, a dialogue about something, and where there's a it's a tense conversation where there's a contract between the two companies. And the one guy says, you know, we're not going to do that. And Dave's got this notebook. He, carry, he takes all these notes in an engineering notebook. And he says, yeah, well, you are going to do that because on June 6th, like I wrote here on my notebook on June 6th that this is what you said. And he rattled off what the guy had said. And he says, if you're not going to do it, I'm just going to pick up my phone right now and I'm, I'm going to call the president of the company. And he starts dialing. Well, the other guy on the other side of the table says, no, 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 wait wait a minute. Let's, let's calm down. And we had a conversation and, well, Dave got his way. After the meeting, though, I'm looking over at Dave's notebook, and I'm like, Dave, that's not what that says. He just smiled. He said, I know that, but he didn't know that. Now, was he the blowhard? Was he faking confidence? I got no idea. Uh, but it worked, and because what he did is he tapped into the other person's insecurity in a weird, twisted way. So let me tell you another time that this happened. So this was another guy. His name was actually was Dave, too. So I was a co-op student in engineering. I was studying what's called the Fresnel Zone in engineering school. You don't really care, microwave Fresnel Zone. but And he was asking me what I was studying. I worked for a telecommunications firm at the time. And he said, what are you studying? You know, And I said, hey, you know, we're, we're talking about Fresnel Zones. And he's like, I don't know what the heck that is. And and he actually gets out this little notebook out of his pocket, and he says, how do you spell that? And uh, he writes it down, Fresnel Zone. It's F-R-E-S-N-E-L, if you want to know, if you want to do the same thing. So we're in a meeting later, and uh, there's this argument, which was typical of our meetings in that organization. And Dave slams his hand down on the table and says, oh, we can't do that because that will interfere with the Fresnel Zones. Well, everybody else looks around, they kind of, well, okay, whatever. Well, Dave gets his way. And I'm thinking, you don't even know what you're talking about. And again, I, I called him on that later after the meeting. He's, he said, they didn't know either. And they didn't want to look stupid enough to ask. 
Now, both of those are dangerous things to do, but what's happening is you're ta- is both of these guys, both of these days, were tapping into the insecurity and lack of confidence in the other people in the room in a twisted way, maybe. But they were having fun with it. Now, had they got called on the carpet, these guys were confident enough to kind of laugh it off and play the game. So be careful using that, but it's, it's the fake it until you make it kind of thing that's going on, right? To me, the best way to fake it until you make it is to smile, slow down your breathing, and just look confident, look the part. Number six, though, is just grow over time. As I started out here, the point is not to take you from a person who's shy, withering to go even go in the room and, and you're walking into a room with hundreds of people you don't know and you're shy and you're just trying to get enough confidence to talk to somebody. I've been there. I just want enough confidence to talk to somebody to the point you walk in the room and you command the room and you can get up on stage in front of the 200 people and take command and control of the room. Sure, you may want to get there, but that's going to take time. So the thing to do that is control your thinking and your self-talk. Another thing that really helps um, is what we would call meditation. Now, I don't mean the yoga stuff necessarily, but the, the whole thing about slowing down your breathing, deep breaths, but practicing meditation. Now, oddly enough, it's been proven, not crazy science, but actually proven it can lower blood pressure, definitely can lower anxiety, uh, and I think it can have other health effects. I'm not going to go into it. I know it can lower blood pressure, and it's meditation. Now, there's a whole bunch of apps you can download for your phone. Uh, one's called Calm, C-A-L-M, but there's all kind of meditation apps. And really what they do is just they walk you through deep breathing and relaxation exercises. By doing that and doing that over time, that over time, you can develop uh, uh, a lot more control. In other words, it's practicing relaxing. It's practicing this uh, deep breathing. Uh, It's a great thing to do. I don't do it that much, but I have done it before, and uh, it got me past some really, really tough times. Now, the seventh thing, and I don't mean to contradict, but there is a little bit of tension that we may always have. When you go into a tense meeting, there's a little bit of tension. Before I take the stage somewhere, there's a little bit of tension. More There's more attention usually um, before. And to me, once I get in a talk or something, I'm perfectly comfortable. I'm, a, I'm in my element. I know the, the actor, I mean, the singer Adele says she doesn't relax until she walks back off stage. And she has uh, some pretty severe stage fright at times. But re- recognize that tension helps you perform better and, and, and is not necessarily a lack of confidence. It's that you want to perform and you want to do well. That's not a bad thing. And just recognizing that, it helps you develop confidence even in that moment. So these are just some ways for you to grow your level of confidence. Uh, take it away. If, you, if I've missed anything, if there's anything that you do, I would really love to hear from, from you and some of the tricks that you use. Shoot me an email. Uh, post something in the show notes. Whatever makes sense to you. But till then, go practice your confidence. See if you can pull one of these tricks 
try the deep breathing and smiling because you'll make everybody else in the room happier just because you're smiling. We will talk to you next week.